Great to see the sun shining out there. Amen. What a great day to be in God's house today. I want to thank all of you for being here today. If you're new to Destiny, my name is Matt Bell. I'm the pastor here, and it's so good to see you. We're so honored and blessed that you come and worship Jesus with us together today. I want to invite you to open with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're in a series right now looking at what the Bible says about the church. What it says about the church and, and what it means to live as the church and, and what the church is and the definition of the church. And this week, uh, today we're into our, our fourth week uh, going through this series together. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so for the last few weeks, we've been answering the questions, what is a church and, and what makes a church a church? The first week, we, we laid the foundation and we said, whatever ideas we would have about the church, we must take those ideas from the Word of God. Amen. We don't get our ideas on the church and what the church should be like or what the church should say or what the church should act like. We, we don't take that idea, those ideas from the culture, amen? We don't get those ideas from the world. We don't get those ideas from our traditions or past experiences that what we know of as the church and, and how we should live as the church and be a part of it, to do it right, it must be submitted and we must get it from the word of God. God's word reigns supreme in the lives of his people. In the second week, we looked at this Greek word. How many remember what this word is? Let me hear it. Ecclesia. We're learning a little bit of Greek at Destiny Church, okay? The ecclesia. Well, what is that? That's the assembly, the, the gathering. This is the Greek word behind the word church in the Bible. And what we've seen from that in the second week is that the church is not a building, amen? The church is not a hierarchy of bishops and priests and cardinals. The church is the people of God called out from the world who gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. We are the church. We are the church. Amen. It wouldn't be appropriate to say, I am the church. Because I, by myself, I am redeemed, I am a saint, but unless I'm a schizophrenic, I am not an assembly. Right? Right? For, for there to be an assembly, there has to be at least two or three gathered in his name. That is an assembly. And so I am a saint, but together we are the church. Amen. We are the people of God. This ecclesia, this gathering, coming together. Jesus, of course, said in Matthew 18, those who gather in my name, I am there in their midst. Christ is here, right here, right now. He is with us. Amen. Week three, last week, we looked more closely at who are these people? Who are the gathering? And what is it that binds them together? What is it that takes a group of, of people and binds them into being a church, an assembly? 
We looked at Peter's confession. We looked at the rock that Jesus is building his church upon. And we, we, we examined the, the two big ideas about the rock was, right? Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so we looked at the idea, well, is Peter the rock? And from scripture, I believe I showed you that Peter was not the rock that Jesus is building his church upon. But rather the confession that Peter made is the rock that Christ is building his church upon. That great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That the church is made up of confessors, people who confess that Jesus is the Christ, that's the Messiah, that's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the son of God, the God-man, amen. Fully God, fully man. Jesus is the Christ. And so the church is made up of those who share in this confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the who of the church. And then we looked at what binds them together. And we saw that from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And so a church is a group of believers under the care of biblically qualified leaders who gather together in Jesus' name to worship Jesus as king, hear God's word faithfully preached, and to participate in the sacraments of communion and baptism. Where these things are happening, a church is being formed. And we have gathered here today to do just that. Amen. We have worshiped Jesus as king. We've participated in communion together. And now, by the grace of God, we will hear God's word faithfully preached. So today we're going to look at the purpose of the church, the mission of the church. Why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? Why is Jesus building his church? Why has he left us here? Why is it that as soon as we're not saved, he doesn't just rapture us up into heaven to be with him? What is it that we're supposed to be doing in the world today? The church has a purpose. The church has a mission. We're not just to live life any old way. We're not just to hope and pray that God's mission for his church would be accomplished in the world. No, we as a church have to get on mission, the mission that Jesus has for his church. And the church we saw over all of these weeks is the church belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen. It is his church. He said, I will build my church. And so the mission of the church, the purpose of the church, the vision of the church is not determined by anyone or anything else other than Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not the elders or the leaders or the deacons or some other group of influential people within the church who decides what the church is going to be all about. It is Jesus who decides this because it is his church. And so Matthew chapter 28 is, is where we're going to, to, to read from today. The last part of Matthew chapter 8 is known as the Great Commission. How many of you have heard that title before, the Great Commission? And we typically think of the Great Commission 
And when we hear it and when we read it, we usually think, oh, that, that applies to the missionaries out there. That's for all those people in China, in Japan, and Mexico. God bless them. I, I want to show you today that the Great Commission, not only does it apply to those people in China and Japan and Mexico, but it applies to you and I seated in the pews here in America today. Amen. But I'm not going to start at the end of Matthew 28. I'm going to start at the beginning of Matthew 28. Because the Great Commission only works if you understand what happened at the beginning of Matthew chapter 28. Of course, we celebrated this great event a few weeks ago. But really, we celebrate this great event every time we come together as God's people. So Matthew 28, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, After the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. That's the tomb of Jesus. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning. How many of you saw some lightning this week? Tuesday night, we had our, our King's Bible Institute here, and as the storm, the big storm was rolling in Tuesday night, we, we decided we needed to dismiss early so the people could go home before the big storm hit. And I stayed around to make sure everyone left and, and got picked up, you know, because I'm such a wonderful pastor. No, just... Anyway, I did stay behind, and what it meant was I was driving home in the storm, and... I don't know if you live in this area, but the lightning over here was incredible. I mean, so bright, and there was almost no separation between the flash of the lightning and the crack of the thunder. I was worried, I was concerned that I was going to be, you know, struck dead and, you know, fried by the lightning. It was frightening. It was, a, it was a power that was so far beyond me. I was in awe of it. I had a healthy fear of the lightning. When I got home, I didn't walk out into my front yard and hold up a big metal pole. But I ran inside my house as quickly as possible. Right? A awe and a fear. And here it tells us that this angel's appearance was like lightning. What would that be like? I might be a little bit freaked out if I saw someone whose appearance was like what I saw the other night. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. That was their response. Remember, these guards, these aren't, the, this isn't the JV mall police. This isn't Paul Blart mall cop. This is... Hardened Roman soldiers had seen battle, countless battles. They, they stood there on guard, uh, at the, and, and, and the, the, the threat on them was if they were derelict in their duty, it would cost them their life. Yet when they see these angels who roll, the angel who rolls the stone away, they are so gripped with fear, they fall over as if they were dead. 
But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they, come up, they came up to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, verse 11 to 15 tells the story of the guards and how they were paid off by the high priest to keep this story quiet. And then the story picks up in Matthew 16 in Galilee. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts today. Lord Jesus, help us to believe the words that you have spoken. Help us to believe these words. Help us to, to live out what you have commanded. Lord, over the next few moments, bring illumination to our understanding. Breathe upon your revelation to us. Change us. Mold us. Fashion us into the people that you have called us to be. Your church in the world today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The statement that Jesus makes is incredible. It is, I believe, the, more, the most all-encompassing statement that has ever been said. That Jesus said that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given unto him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, that there is nothing left out of this statement. That the statement that Jesus makes encompasses, it encompasses everything. The purpose of the church, the mission of the church, according to Jesus, now I don't know according to the bestsellers at the Bible bookstore, but according to Jesus, the mission of the church is to bring the nations of the world into submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. The mission of the church, the, the commission that Jesus gave to, to his followers and 
to his assembly, to his church, to, to his ecclesia, of which you and I are a part of, amen? What, what is the purpose? What are we supposed to be doing, Jesus? Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Well, what is a disciple? It's someone who follows Jesus. It's someone who submits to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is a disciple. And Jesus says that we are to disciple the nations. So, so the purpose of the church today is to bring the nations of the world into submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. Amen. That is our purpose. And we do that in the world, and we also do that in our assembly. We typically call out what, uh, what we call this mission in the world, we call it evangelism, winning the world to Christ, preaching the good news, calling people to repentance and faith in Christ. We call that evangelism. Accomplishing this mission within the, the four walls of the church, we call that discipleship. Encouraging you in every area of your life to submit your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's in your relationships. That's in your marriage. That's in your parenting. That's in your finances. That's in how you work on the job. That's in your personal integrity. That's in the things that you watch, the words that you speak, the thoughts that you think, the attitudes of your heart. All of it submitted to all that Jesus has commanded. Amen. The mission of the church is to bring the nations of the world into submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Another way to say this would be that the church is working to expand the kingdom of God on the world, in the world. The kingdom of God. Well, what is a kingdom? A kingdom is the place where the king reigns. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, in heaven, when Jesus says, jump, the angels say, how high? There's no, there's no separation between, the, there's no problem with the, the obedience of the subjects in heaven. So Jesus says, pray that people would, that, that on earth as it is in heaven, that the kingdom of God that is in heaven would be expanded on the earth. That the people of the earth would submit to the lordship of Christ as he is submitted to in heaven. This, this is the, the work of the church. And again, it's not just for missionaries. I mean, certainly does it apply to missionaries going out and, and preaching the gospel to people who have never heard? Yes, of course it does. But does it also apply to the husband that is being harsh with his wife? Absolutely it does. Why? Because Jesus said, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. Amen? And so we are evangelizing the nations and we are discipling believers. The purpose of the church is evangelism and discipleship. You say, well, that doesn't sound very catchy. Can't we, like, can't we like buzz that up a little bit? Can't we like, you know, make that cooler and hipper? And I mean, you can. 
But the more you do that, the less clear it becomes. The purpose of the church, evangelism, discipleship. That is, that's according to Jesus. So Destiny Church, if you go on our website and it says the mission statement of the church, our mission statement, preach the gospel, make disciples. Evangelism, discipleship. How did we come up with that? We didn't actually. That's what Jesus said right here in this book I found. It's amazing. This Bible, it tells you all kinds of things. It's quite amazing. So I want to I look at this statement. I want to walk through the commission, the Great Commission. And again, this is not the great suggestion. Do you see this? This isn't Jesus saying, if you want to, you can do this. If you don't want to, eh, you do whatever you want. This is the great commission, the great charge that Jesus leaves with his church before he ascends into heaven. So I'm going to look at these four alls, these four alls. The first one, all authority, all authority has been given to Jesus. That's what he said, right? All authority in heaven and on earth. So is there any place you can go where Jesus does not have the authority? Not according to Jesus. And it's not that all authority will be given unto him. It's that all authority has been given unto him. Past tense. Jesus on the cross, he defeated Satan, Satan is defeated. The definitive blow has been struck. The battle has been won. The war has been won. Christ is victorious. Amen. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him, he says. Past tense. Flip over with me to... Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. My, my goal today with, with this sermon is to get you to actually believe what Jesus said. That's my goal. Amen. To actually believe Jesus. Because I, I, I don't think... If we're honest with ourselves, if we look at how we live our lives, as we look at the church at large and the church in the world today, I don't think the church lives and behaves like they believe that Jesus meant what he said. The church today, I would say especially the church in America, we don't live like we believe Jesus has all authority. We, we live and believe like there's somebody who has an authority over the Lord Jesus. So my goal today is to get you to actually believe this. Because I, I believe Jesus meant what he said. I believe he meant, he meant it when he said he had all authority in heaven and on earth. So uh, Ephesians chapter 1 the last part of this passage. 
uh, this verse 15. For this reason, I don't have time to talk about this reason, but you can go read the first 14 verses and find out the reason. But for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. So, so who's he talking to? He's talking to believers, right? People who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. Well, what is he praying? He tells us, verse 17, this is what I'm praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. In the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. So again, he's, he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, I don't cease night and day to pray for you. That God may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Well, wait a second. I, th I thought they already knew Jesus. Listen, you can know about Jesus. You can know about what he did for you. But there comes a knowing of Christ as you walk with him day by day. A, a greater knowing when you see God actually show up and show that he has all power and all authority. It, it's not a book knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. We, we've all most of us probably gone to learn how to drive a car. And before you ever learn how to drive a car, they give you a big fat book and they tell you you've got to read all about driving a car. And so you read about driving a car, you sit and listen to the teacher talk about driving a car, you watch a video about driving a car, and then you actually get put behind the wheels of a car. And after five minutes behind the wheel of a, of a car, you know more about driving a car than all the book you ever read. There's a certain knowledge that comes through experience. That's what he's talking about. This revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Again, he's talking to believers here, but he's saying, I'm praying that God would open up your eyes, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are the three things that Paul says, I want, I'm praying to God that you believers in Ephesus, that God would open up your eyes to see these truths and these realities. That you're, you're, the mind's eye, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That you would know the glorious hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The riches of the inheritance that we have through Jesus Christ. And that you would know the immeasurable greatness of his power. Remember Jesus said, all power, all authority has been given unto me. That we would know this. Immeasurable greatness of his power. 
There's a lot of powerful things that can be measured. You can measure the force of a hurricane. Category 1, category 2, category 3, category 4, category 5. You can measure the power of electricity, watts and kilowatts and gigawatts. And if you're Marty McFly, even gigawatts. <laughs> you can measure the force of an atomic blast. One megaton, two megaton. You can measure the force of solar flares on the sun. But he says the power of Christ is beyond all measure. That the power of Christ breaks all of our scales. That we would know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. That he is working that power to us, in us, and through us. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It says when Jesus ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, that to him was given all authority. He says, far above all other rulers, all other dominions, all other kingdoms, every name that would be named, Jesus Christ doesn't just eke them out by a few millimeters. They're not having to replay the tape to see if Jesus is ahead at the finish line. Christ reigns far above every power, every kingdom, every president, every senator. Jesus reigns, period. Amen. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. All things have been put under his feet. Tell me something that is not under the feet of Jesus. Anything you would name would be going against what the word of God says. But again, we need to have the eyes of our heart and our mind and our understanding illuminated. Because we live like Jesus doesn't have all authority and power. We live like the one seated on the throne hasn't been given to us, the church, as the head, his body who fills all in all.
all authority in heaven and on earth, seated at the right hand of the Father. If you flip over to Acts chapter 1, I'm not going to make it through the four alls today. I just realized that. We'll just pick it up next week. All authority. Acts chapter 1. Verse 6, it says, when they, that's his disciples, had come together, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, are you going to set up your physical, visible kingdom right now on the earth? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. The cloud, of course, represents God's manifest presence, the glory, the Shekinah glory of God. The same cloud uh, was over the camp of Israel as they were in the wilderness. The same cloud filled the temple when Solomon dedicated uh, uh, the temple to the Lord in uh, Jerusalem. And that same cloud now comes and receives Jesus up into heaven. And it says they were gazing into heaven as he went. They're just standing there, you know, jaw hitting the floor. Because Jesus just went up like a rocket ship into the sky. And behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. They were saying, don't stand there looking, but instead get about doing what Jesus has commanded you to do. He will return one day, but until he returns... You need to be about doing what it is that he has commanded you to do. If you flip back into the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7, it tells the prophetic vision of this event happening. Daniel saw through a vision this moment of Jesus ascending into heaven. Daniel chapter 7 Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Of course, we know that Jesus, this was his favorite title for himself. When when Jesus asked 
his disciples the, the question in Matthew 16. He says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Speaking of himself, Jesus identifies himself with this Son of Man from Daniel chapter 7. He says, I saw with the cloud of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father seated on the throne, and was presented before him. In verse 14, Daniel 7, this is the key verse for us. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one which shall not be destroyed. When Jesus ascended into heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth was given unto him. And his kingdom is expanding today through his church. He is building his church. He is building his kingdom. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth is the one who is building his church and his kingdom. And it says that there is no end to his kingdom. It is an everlasting kingdom. And in this kingdom, he rules and reigns with all authority and dominion. The kingdom of God exists already. Jesus Christ reigns right now. Jesus told his disciples that the kingdom of God is among you or within you. Where is the kingdom of God? It's right here. As the people of God gather and worship Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. As we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, God's kingdom is here. The question is, do we believe that God has given Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth? Do we believe that? Did we believe that Jesus has all authority? Because he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It was the one who rose from the dead on the mountain in Galilee who said, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore. Go therefore. I think a lot of times we just go. And if we just go, we're disobeying Christ. He didn't just say go. He said go therefore. Go with the knowledge. Go with the understanding. Go with the, the belief 
with the, the knowing in your heart that the creator of the universe sits on the throne in heaven and rules far above every other principality, power, kingdom, and dominion. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What I want us to think about this week as I bring this apparently four-part message to a close today is that do we believe that Jesus really has the power that he says he has? Do we believe that? Are we living like that? We, we see in the book of Acts that we just spent a year and a half going through, the disciples, they got the message. They, they believed it when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. They, they believed him and they turned the world upside down. In one generation, they turned the world upside down because they had this revelation. And so even then in that first century, the apostle Paul is praying for the believers that they too would have the revelation of who Jesus is. Yes, he is my savior. And yes, he is my Lord. But beyond that, he's also the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And every knee will bow before him. And so we go, therefore, to bring the nations of the world into submissive obedience to their king, which is Jesus. Jesus is king. That's not just a catchy slogan for Kanye West's album. Long before Kanye West ever took his first breath, Jesus was king. And we go into the world proclaiming the truth that Jesus is king, calling on people to bow to their king, Jesus. We don't go to the world and say, make Jesus your king. No, we go and say, Jesus is your king. You must bow in submission and obedience to him. Jesus is king of the nations. It's the church's job to call the nations of the world to walk in faithful obedience to Jesus Christ. That's the job of the church. And we go, therefore, knowing that Jesus is king. We don't just, you know, sneak out of here and hope nobody sees that we were at church and go out and just live like the devil all week. Amen? I'll get more into that next week if you want to hear about that. Jesus is king now, right now. And we call the nations, we call our family members, we call ourselves to walk in faithful obedience to our king, Jesus. Do we believe that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth? We will stand before him one day. You will stand before Jesus one day. Those who oppose Christ 
will also stand before Jesus one day. See, the apostles knew this. They knew it. So when they're taking their beatings, when they're getting thrown into jail, they know, I'm going to have to stand before Jesus one day. So I'm going to do what he said. And you know what else they know? They know the guy beating them up. <laughs> this guy's going to stand before Jesus one day. So I'm going to call him to surrender to Christ now or to pay the price later. Either way, we win. We win. We have won. Christ has won the victory. The, the victory has been won. Amen. We, we live like we're trying to accomplish the victory. The victory has been won. The definitive blow has been struck. The power of Satan defeated. We now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But we, we have to have this revelation. We have to have this revelation as the church. That Jesus is Lord, that he is king, that he is ruling and reigning, that he does have all authority in heaven and on earth. And so we go, therefore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord. Lord, give us this knowledge. Give us this revelation. Enlighten the eyes of our heart. Help us to see and to see clearly that you are the risen Savior but you are also the risen Lord and that you right now are seated on high, far above every ruler, every principality, every dominion, every power. You reign today. Help us, Lord, to live as your church. Help us to live under submission to you as our king to obey all that you have commanded us to walk faithfully as your disciples to live as your people to share the good news about the king who has conquered the grave Fill us with your spirit day by day, moment by moment, that we would walk by the spirit and not walk according to the flesh. That your kingdom would be expanded in our world. That your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.